this is Big Will from the Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here bringing you our special Halloween bonus episode for this year, 2023. Please welcome our special guests, Nick Cassiopo. Welcome, Nick. Hey. Hey, thanks for having me. Welcome back, and Adam Rosella. Welcome. Thanks, Will. Thanks again for having me again. Of course, and I want to remind listeners quickly that both of you guys have been on the show before. Uh, Nick, you did a whole episode a few years ago now. Um, you talked about your history as the front man of a cult Long Island band known as The Communion. Uh, people can go check all that out. And, of course, you are um, a prolific author, I should say, nowadays. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> under the... Uh, and you're, we're, you're, we were in my, yeah, the, the cult is not alive, but yeah. <laughs> well, we could even get into pretty that. Meager cult. Yeah. Pretty meager cult. We could get but, into that if you want, man. Um, yeah. but, but, um, it's been a minute. Let's, let's move on yeah, was, before well, I turn this into some Jim Cornette shoot interview. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't, don't get me started, man, because I'm about <laughs> to bring up brainless bill, my alter ego and anal birth, but we haven't even introduced Adam properly yet because <laughs> Speaking of move, moving on, um, Nick, you go by the phonetic uh, uh, spelling of your name, N. Cassio yeah. Poe, as an author, um, author of That's books right. such as, correct me if I'm wrong, Gore Gaze, uh, That's right. Piecemeal, yeah. The Final Cut, uh, mm -hmm. Deracinate, and um, is it Gangers or Gangers? Uh, gangers. Gang gangers. Gangers. Yep. Um, and, and just, just quickly where, uh, if people are interested in your work and your books, is there a website, a social media you want to plug? That's right. Uh, I just got a new one out actually for, called, uh, Magenta Shadows. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, I guess. Yes. They're all available through my publisher, Sweat Drench Press. Shout out to Zach and Laura. You can also get them through Amazon if, if you're nasty, but if you want the physical, you can get physical and ebooks through Amazon. You can get physical through Sweat Drenched. And yeah, if you're into reading, which most of you are probably not, but it's all right. <laughs> I'm a middle aged ex vocalist. You either, you, this is what you do, you write books. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm learning to write. I'm, I gotta take English one at a local community college before I, get, I can you get. Know how to write. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, yeah, don't let the accent uh, uh, fool you. We're gonna get into Long Island accents in a minute with one of these movies, but we're moving <laughs> fast. Uh, also, Adam Rotella. If people don't know, Adam, you are the Gore Noise Godfather of Long Island, uh, known by many people for your project Anal Birth which um, I, I do help you out in. And uh, you're going to be performing with your other noise project, Liquefied Insides, uh, along with Reeking Aura, Riparian from Pittsburgh, Animals Killing People from Brooklyn, uh, and one more band to be announced November the 4th at Amityville Music Hall right here on Long Island. Uh, show starts at 6 p.m. sharp. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. And Adam, is there any social media or anything you want to plug quickly before we, we get into the, the meat of today's episode? No, not that I can think of. Besides, uh, Clisma Records from uh, yes from Holland put out the CD version of our full length, uh, twenty eight uh top twenty eight chapters of Infinite Atrocities. It's out now. I got I got all the copies, which I got to give you your half of when I see you. Yes, I got the two CDs in the mail that you sent me, man. Yeah, yeah. Um that was just that was just to check it out. But you know, once we uh, have our record release. We'll split uh, the rest of, you know, what we don't move. Yeah, tactfully did not open that package up in front of my mom when I saw your name on the return address. 
Adam. Yeah, Mark made the cover, so it's just as nasty as the last one, pretty much. Speaking of, yeah, didn't Nick just say nasty as he wanted to be? That's Mark from Last Days of Humanity. Flex. I just want to flex. That's. I'm not even going to hide it. That's an unabashed flex. Mark from Last Days of Humanity's hey, label, Klizma Records, um, just put out the latest Anal Birth album, is what you're saying. Fuck yeah, dude. Awesome. All right, so... Yeah, he took a he took a twelve year break, but he's back. All right, man. So so um, with that being said, I want to properly introduce you guys and give you the platform. The reason I invited you guys for our Halloween special, um, I knew I was going to get something special <laughs> for, from both of you guys uh, because I trust both of you guys' judgment and uh, extreme. Uh, media, I'll just say, not just with metal and hardcore and all these types of music we're into, but with film um, and, and all that. I knew you guys were, weren't just going to bring something kind of run-of-the-mill and generic to the table, and you sure didn't. We have a lot to talk about. Um, right. I want to open it up right now with uh, Vermilion Eyes, which is, I believe, okay. in 1991, and that was, Nick, that was your <laughs> suggestion. That's right. Um, I, I quickly want to, cause I, this, this, I'd never heard of this movie. Maybe Adam mentioned it to me once or twice, but like, I hadn't seen it and I wasn't familiar with any of the lore. I want to quickly give like a couple of my hot takes and then let you guys take the wheel. Cause I think both of you guys are a lot more familiar. And there was a bit of a revelation in the group text when, when Nick sh shot us the link. Um, I thought, first of all, amazing audio effects and scoring. Uh, right off the bat, like in the first 15 oh, minutes yeah. of the first scene of the film, some of those audio effects that are just don't go with the visual at all. Really, they make such a it's it's a quirky movie. One of the most enjoyable, schlocky, low budget gore movies I've ever seen. It's humor punctuated by Long Island accents and locations. <laughs> those girls, all the girls in the film with the Long Island accents from the early 90s kill me. Oh, it, God, yeah. It's it reminds yeah, me of like, like Amy Fisher. All my babysitters were lit. That was like all my babysitters. That you took the words out of my mouth because we're from a certain generation, and like the Long Island accent does shift and change. You know, like like people from a certain generation have a different accent. But here's the, why do I love the killer in this movie? Why do I think he's fucking hilarious and steals the show? And to and to, to to use to use a little bit of the 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 younger kids' words, I think he might be based in some of the things he says. I I don't know. Because he's us. <laughs> Deep down, it, the, the killer. Yeah. Isn't that a Billy Corgan thing? The killer is me or something? I, I don't know. The killer in me is the killer in you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're, we're on the same page with a lot, man. We're clicking. Um, that, that's, I'll, I'll leave it at there because I'm rushing through this, but I want to let you guys speak a little bit. Nick, this was your suggestion. Bring, mm -hmm. us, bring us in a little bit. Sure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm relieved that you like it. I'm always, I, I don't know. I have a bit of rejection sensitive dysphoria with stuff. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that a little later in another one in your pick, actually. But uh, yeah, I picked this because it's pretty fresh in my mind. I only just discovered about, I only just discovered it this past summer. Uh, I got a stack of zines from, uh, and the zine was called uh, Dangerous Encounters, issue number nine. Great fucking zine. I got a stack of them and they talked about, uh, this film, it was a, a writer named Vince Alberano who just put out a book called uh, Aesthetic Deviations, which is about the shot on video scene of the 1990s. And he's written extensively about this film. He's the only guy that's ever, I think, really written extensively about it. But uh, it was directed by a gentleman named Nathan Schiff. And uh, before he did Vermilion Eyes, he did uh, Weasels Rip My Flesh, Long Island Cannibal Massacre, and They Don't Cut Grass Anymore. 
Now, all three of these films were re-released in about 2004 by a company named Image Entertainment. Vermillion Eyes was going to get the same treatment, but for some reason, they pulled back on it. They, they had it all set to go, and then, I don't know, they got cold feet. I don't know if maybe Schiff got cold feet because it's a very, I guess it was it was a little too close to the bone for him. But I guess I'll just go for the, the summation of the, the plot, as it were. It's this unnamed character. He's prowling Long Island. He's obsessed with violent magazines and hardcore pornography. And uh, eventually that isn't enough. So he's just wandering around the area, you know, taking, you know, looking for accidents. And he's filming the accidents, filming the dead bodies on a Super 8 camera, bringing them home so he can relive what he's seen. Now, eventually that dopamine rush doesn't accommodate him anymore. So uh, he, vinced, he it's suggested that he goes out and starts killing women and children himself. But he might not be. It's very, it's kind of, it's kind of murky. And uh, I don't know, I feel like the film kind of, it almost feels like if you were going to make a movie based on the Pig Destroyer album, Prowler in the Yard, this mm. is what it might look like. Because it's just, you know, I feel like it really captures like the interior world of a, of a killer. You know, and there's been a lot of movies that have like, you know, from the perspective of the killer, like Maniac and Angst and Henry, I, I can go on and on. But this one really like feels like the honest, like an honest recreation of what a killer's interior universe might look like. I don't know if you guys remember there was a movie, the Jennifer Lopez movie, The Cell. If you ever saw that? <laughs> I I remember. I I don't know if I ever saw that movie or but I'm well, aware of it. Yeah. The premise of the film is that they're they're literally going to go into the brain of a killer and just wander around. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Okay. And they go in there, and it's a beautiful movie. It's wonderful to look at, and but it looks like a fucking MoMA installation. It's this high art, high concept. You know, it's fucking Joel Peter Witkin and Damien Hirst kind of stuff. And it's like a serial. I don't think a serial killer's interior world would look like that. It would look more like some kind of flood damage storage locker filled with you know yellowing screw magazines and Polaroids of children at birthday parties with cigarettes put out on them. And that's what I feel like Vermilion Eyes kind of captures that, you know. And uh, it's like, it's it's unavailable. It's a, the only copy that got out. Even Nathan Schiff doesn't know how this copy got out. It's not his preferred vision of the film. It's missing like 40 minutes. Hmm. And it's this really just fuzzed out, smoggy bootleg. And that kind of serves the myth of its, ex of its existence further, you know. It just the degradation of the source materials and yeah, it's, and uh, the only other, I, there's not a lot of uh, writing about it. There weren't a lot of reviews. It only played at like one festival somewhere. And apparently so the myth goes that the crew were mortified by it and it just somehow, but it's, it, it's, you know, yeah. It, and, uh, if if you're desensitized enough to to the gore and the schlock violence, I think it has a certain charm. That's what I'll say. I'm not going to say it's for all the listeners. I no, of course not. I I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot, and it, and it, it yeah. was it was a and it's but it's still like uncomfortable. You're laughing, but you're also like, oh, should I be? Yes, it feels like it's he meant for it to be very like. I think I don't know if, if I don't think comedy was his goal. But it's, no. you know, with all these shot on video movies, there is an element of comedy to them because they're so low budget. I mean, even his budgets were compared to even some of the other shot on video and eight super eight. They were like microscopic. Hmm. Yeah. So. I, 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 yeah, man, they're, they're, well, 
I'm not like I'm not saying I I'm laughing at it all the way th- all the way through. No, like of I, not. Yeah. like there are films that I would mock and I and I would like laugh at like in a mocking way. This I do respect the kind of guerrilla filmmaking aspect. The, I I res- so, yeah. you know I, I I get it, man. But I got it like the once there was one scene in particular with the blind girl on the beach when he just he <laughs> he has that monologue about there's no god and uh, we all die. The monologues are the funniest part. Yeah, the philosophizing I, and yeah. Cause... I was I was chuckling at that, but then when he runs away, he runs. He runs away <laughs> from her. I said, "Oh, I that's when I lost it." I said he just ran away from the girl. That was crazy, man. It was it was that that broke me a little bit. But um <laughs> but not not in a way that I'm saying the movie itself is like you know, oh, like, of course like not. A, yeah, I get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and uh, there's a, the only other reviews aside from you know Vincent Alberano's review writings on it. There was like a blog called Bad Movies for Bad People, hmm. and they they compared it to the Lucio Fulci film Cat in the Brain, which I think that's a pretty good if you ever ever seen Cat in the Brain because it's about it's sort of it's like a meta film about like what vi- what creating violent art does to a person and having to push you know having to push yourself. And eventually, where do you go? You know, where do you go? Because that movie was like about kind of Lucio Fulci commenting on like the nadir of his career. He was using clips from some of his lesser movies to just kind of say like, "What the fuck am I doing here? Where's my? I've lost my imagination. I'm just kind of trudging through this ugly stuff." And uh, yeah, there's a Canadian film called Deadline that explores a similar theme. You know, the obsessiveness and the frustration that permeates the actualization of a creative project. You know. And that's that's what it, that's what it feels like. Yeah, uh, Just brooding and anxious, and you know. Yeah, yeah. There was. I want to. I want to pass this to Adam right now. Adam, two questions. Did you? Are you familiar? With, I'm. I haven't seen this this Lucio Fulci movie. It's Cat in the Brain. That's right. Yeah. Adam, are you familiar with that? And Adam, after you answer that, I know you're familiar with the Long Island Cannibal Massacre. You've definitely told me about that. And talk to me about your experience with Vermilion Eyes and, and this director. Um, uh, uh, but quickly, I want to know about if, if you've seen Cat in the Brain. You might not remember, but the both of us saw Cat in the Brain back, you know, back in the, in the 90s when I was coming over your house to watch videos oh. that your uncle would send you. Okay. Okay. So, so was, it, was it one of the ones my uncle sent me? Yeah. Yeah, it was. All right, just for the listeners, for for context, my and Adam, you can back this up. My uncle sent me hundreds of VHS tapes of all different movies that would fall under the classification of horror sci-fi in one way or another. Oh yeah, he did. And gradually more more extreme movies as I got older. So please don't blame me for for missing one here. Uh, refresh no, my no, refresh my memory a little bit, Adam. Uh, Cat in the Brain is basically Lucio Fulci plays himself. He's he's uh, he's having all these crazy visions because of uh, all the violence in his movies, and I don't want to get into too much, but uh, I don't know how to explain it further without really spoiling it. But there's like a, a twist to it where it's, but the, yeah, basically what that is is like they show a lot of scenes from uh, his movies in it, but it's showing him he's having all these visions and they're uh, they're basically driving him insane, making him think that he might actually be a killer i really don't want to go into it much further than that but that's pretty mm-hmm. much the gist of it i think nick will agree with me that's all i don't want to go too far i don't want to go too far and reveal the twist but that's yeah basically, yeah bro. yeah that's basically what it's kind of about ringing a few bells here and, man uh, i'd like to revisit it but yeah go on adam sorry 
Oh, and for, for Long Island Cannibal Massacre, yeah, that was uh, the first Nathan Schiff movie I watched. Nathan Schiff. And, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah that, that movie blew me away. And uh, They Don't Cut the Grass Anymore was, I, I like even, I love it even more. Yeah, I, I gotta get. I gotta see that one next. That's on my. That's on my watch list. Yeah, that. Yeah, that one. He just goes all out with the gore. Like the story mm-hmm. goes that he, in the interview, he said he had uh he had plans for this big budget, like you know, fleshed out story. But because the, the guy who was starring in it, the main the main character, he was going to the Peace Corps in two weeks, so they had two weeks to shoot it, <laughs> and he had like almost no budget, so. He's, so he decided instead of making this big fleshed out movie I wanted to make, I'm just going to make it a straight up gore movie. So what he ended up doing was like throwing in as many gore scenes as he could. <laughs> and the characters are just ridiculous. Like uh, the co-star, like he was so bad. Like, you know how bad the acting is in these movies. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not insulting it. Like bad acting doesn't bother me. I'm just saying like, yeah, they were either. saying that the, the co-star's acting was so bad. That they wouldn't let him speak any lines, so they threw a mask <laughs> on him. They threw a mask on him. It was supposed to be his real face, and he was just a mute. <laughs> and the characters, and the characters is over exaggerated and ridiculous. <laughs> you can't help but laugh at it. It's insane. And Long Island Cannibal Massacre is great. Like it's just, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. But it's just, it's just that atmosphere like can't be beat. Like it's just pure Long Island. Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. Yeah, anybody it's you just watching it, you're like, Oh, that's Jones Beach. Oh, you you know, you, you recognize everything in, in the background. Yeah, and, and just the characters the characters and situations are just like unbelievable. Like you don't know how he would think of stuff like this. Like there's one there's his brother, uh Nathan Schiff's no, not Nathan Schiff, uh the star, the guy who plays the cop in Long Island Cannibal Massacre, his brother plays like the the hoodlum with the with the leather jacket. He's supposed to be the the hoodlum uh, that steals. Like the the plot is basically like these two thugs are stealing uh, like human meat to like feed a a family of cannibal lepers, like <laughs> on the edge of Long Island. It's just it's it's an insane plot, and uh, and I, I'm not going to spoil the final scene, but the final scene was just like. It's one of the best chainsaw murders I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Adam, didn't you do a project of some sort that was inspired by that by Long Island Cannibal Massacre, the movie? Oh yeah, my one man project, low budget splatter gore. Mm-hmm. My my uh, my demo is actually called Long Island Cannibal Massacre, and there's a picture mm-hmm. from the movie on on mm-hmm. the front cover. Mm-hmm. And uh, all you know, there's no lyrics, but all the song titles are parts from the movie. That's awesome. That almost reminds me a little bit of remember the person inside of Reagan, the 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 project inspired by the Exorcist from from Texas from years ago. Yeah. What was that? Ray Rivera. Ray Rivera. Yep. Yeah. Man. Oh. Okay. Man. Um. And you said masks. You reminded me of the scene. There were these scenes where I gotta admit, where Vermillion Eyes loses me a little bit is like in the last forty five minutes or so. They bring in those robed. Halloween mask characters, <laughs> and I'm thinking that there's a metaphor I gotta kind of like uh, read in, into some of that a little bit towards the end there. But I do prefer the guy with the mustache and the glass. Pardon me, glasses. His killing scenes over. Right. They, totally. I, th- I think they have a little more personality than the um uh the cult Halloween mask scenes, man. But uh that that was one of my only little 
Little gripes, man. It's funny that you say that there apparently is like 40 minutes of lost footage because the movie is relatively long for what it is. Yeah, I know. It's like 97 minutes. It's not like a short movie. So it's like, oh my God, what, what, what do they cut out? Like, Yeah, dude. Want to know. Like, um, I guess, I don't know, the robe guys, I think maybe it's that Eyes Wide, Eyes Wide Shut was shot in Long, was takes place on Long Island, I think. They're on their way to the Illuminati sex parties we, that happen out here. Yeah, well, well, we could talk more about that when we talk about my movie recommendation. Um, uh, definitely, definitely, mine, mine. Well, well, we'll get into it. It reads a little bit different <laughs> as an adult. Um, but, totally. but absolutely. When we were doing the group text and you suggested this movie, Adam, I know you noted that it was hard to uh, to view this movie. Nick, you just explained there's only this kind of grainy, uh, weird copy around. Where it's the Internet Archive, right? Where can people find that? The Internet Archive. It's just I go to you go to your search, whatever your preferred search engine, type Internet Archive and type Vermilion Eyes, and it'll be on there. It should still be on there. Yeah, yeah. I, I just watched it this afternoon, man. Um, uh, it, it is on there. It, it, very, very convenient, man. Um, mm-hmm. so guys, uh, I'm just gonna hand it to to you, Nick, and then to Adam. Any any last thoughts on Nathan Schiff and Vermilion Eyes before we move along to Adam's uh, movie suggestion? Uh, I th- I think I got everything covered. Just I guess shout out to Dangerous Encounter Zine and uh, Vincent Alberano because they kind of that's who kind of reading them really turned me on to this film because their their writing of it was so picturesque and just it's exactly the kind of what I look for in an underground in an underground film and an underground or like outsider art whatever. So yeah, I gotta I gotta give props to them. And I'm great. I'm glad you. I'm glad you dug it. Definitely dug it, especially the scene where he runs away. That just got me for some reason. <laughs> um, uh, and Adam, any yeah. final thoughts on Nathan Schiff or on this movie, Vermillion Eyes? Um, I only got to see it twice, and the last time I saw it was a lot, while ago. But what I, I, it definitely was, definitely was a, a killer movie for sure. But uh, yeah, I think what what he seemed to be going for more was like a, like a serious, like psychosexual, like gory thriller type mm-hmm. of movie. Totally, yeah. You know, with all the budgetary restraints and all that stuff, like, I, I love mo- movies that were, I mean, I, I there are movies I love that were shot for 50 bucks, so <laughs> I'm not complaining yeah, about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, no, I definitely enjoyed it. It was definitely, like, more experimental, you know, more meant to be serious, even though there are parts that you can't help but laugh at because of the way they came out, but definitely a great movie. I'm definitely a big Nathan Schiff fan. I wish you would come out of hiding because it seems like he's been in hiding since 2008 from what i can gather yeah i mean especially just kind of disappeared from the uh, i can't think of a better way to say the public eye i guess yeah i mean especially now there's all these like boutique labels like you know saturn's core and vh shit fest and and culture shock i mean this would be like perfect for those i mean the only thing i could think of unless i mean i don't want to think the worst but Maybe he just like he just is disillusioned with it all. Maybe he just one day was just like, ah, I'm just gonna yeah, shit, shit breaks you, man. Yeah. Things can yeah, shit, shit breaks you sometimes. Mm. But no, I'm definitely I'm definitely a, a big fan of his movies. Like when I saw Long Island Cannibal Massacre, I just like I was hooked from there. I was like, I gotta see more. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty. That those are you know, those other movies of his, I think, are pretty easy to get your hands on. I don't think there are Blu-rays, but I know they're definitely on DVD. I mean, oh, I have, yeah. I'm I looking at my Long Island Temple Master DVD right now. So, yeah, I found the first three on eBay easily, and then Vermilion Eyes, I had to get a bootleg from a friend of mine because I didn't know where else to get it. It was on YouTube, but 
like if I remember correctly, I think Severin actually took it down. So I thought they they were involved with. with I mean, yeah. Well, Severin has that inner vision, like that sub label that does all yeah. the all the yeah. shot on video stuff. That would be. I think that would be good for. Yeah, I'd like to see that. And that was a while like, ago. I, I, yeah. I thought, I, mean, I thought because they took they took the video down. I thought like, okay, Severin's going to put it out or Intervision, one of them. Yeah, but yeah, they, Intervision. They don't do that many Intervision releases, though. Yeah. It's, it's few and far in between. Mm. so uh, maybe one day down the road i guess i don't know yeah i hope so i'd like to see the uncut i'd like to see like his preferred version of it but vincent alberano is going to write i think he's writing a whole book about just for million eyes so that i'm looking forward to i thought i read that but who knows All yeah right. from what i read about it it was everything i thought it was going to be i was like yeah this is a great movie yep yeah i for i mean that, that's the thing is you guys, I think, probably are. You're obviously more knowledgeable of the low budget movies, um, and the more extreme movies than I am. That's that's why I invited both you guys here, man. I appreciate it, and um, uh, I knew I knew we would be having this this kind of conversation. But even for me, who like I don't necessarily watch, uh, mo- movies of of that of that genre and of that um of that type every day. I'm not, I'm not as steeped in knowledge uh, of them as you are. I really did find this enjoyable, man. If you, it's like I was saying before, if you're someone who can get past the gore, I mean, if, if gore isn't for you, then you should probably get to a whole other episode of this podcast. But, <laughs> um, uh, but you know, if you can get past all the, the explicit gore and, and nudity and all that stuff that's going on in, in both of these movies, I, mean, I think this one in particular, Vermillion Eyes, there was something, like I said, there was a charm and a humor to it uh, and not just in this deprecating way, you know, about the, like like making fun of the whole movie, man. So I, right. I, I I'll leave it there. Um, and I want to move on to a- Adam. Your movie was 1997, uh, a movie called Necrophiles, uh, and and that's Necro F F I L E S Necrophiles. I don't know if you can see that, but this is uh, mm. this is the two D two two D signed by the director oh nice and who is the director make these anymore, but, but visual vengeance like this movie was almost impossible to find when i first heard about it but now it's really easy to find it's on tubi the visual vengeance just did a version of it a blu-ray with all kinds of that's another label yeah another they're another label yeah. yeah but yeah the yeah about 10 years ago maybe a little more uh my friend eric from running through the blood productions he told me, "Oh, have you seen the Necrophiles?" I said, "No, I haven't seen it." He's like, "Oh, it's it's the it's my favorite movie of all time." And me and him are like into all the same stuff, like music, noise, gore movies. So I was like, "I gotta check this movie out." So I found the director's label and I ordered this. Uh, I ordered this two DVD edition, and wow, man, it's. I mean, it's just like the, the one of the sleaziest, goriest, like shot on video movies i've ever seen like it was every bit as good as he told me it was and more like there's it's just so like if you have really jaded tastes in like movies like i do like this this will this will quench the thirst because it's got (laughs) got massive amounts of sleaze like a massive ton of gore in it like the characters are just nuts like the two (laughs) cops they're trying to the plot is just nuts. Like uh, first off, like it's just uh, this this uh, this rapist gets killed by by uh, by these two cops, and then he ends up they end up burying him in a shallow grave, 
and the Satanists sacrificed the baby of the, the, the girl that he raped. Like they sacrificed the baby over the grave and he pops out as a zombie with like with a, with a two foot long boner. This kills all the Satanists and goes on a killing spree and these two crazy cops are trying to stop him. Mm. And there's a flying demon. Then the, the baby turns into a flying demon baby when they summon it out. When two guys out of fear summon it out of the grave to to go after the zombie. Yeah, but yeah. He, so there's just a a zombie a zombie rapist with a with a a two foot erection running around the city and and uh, a demon baby flying around killing people. It's just a it's just a, an insane, gory, sleazy, like just about perfect movie in my book. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love that it's perfect in your book. I mean, dude, I, look. I obviously don't have as much affection through the roof for this movie as you do, Adam, respectfully. But I did watch it, and I did I do see the charm because this is this isn't for your cinema enthusiasts. This is for people who want this level of production and this schlocky gore and this sleaze fest. I gotta say, dude, the the two cops, the two detectives, stole the movie for me. Yeah, I, and and there's like that ending, like epilogue text. That said, you know, it's I don't want to spoil it, but it, it kind of like it, it suggests uh, what 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 the the detectives in the movie what became of them after the movie. I want to see that. I just want to see like uh, <laughs> I want to see those two cops in like a regular like busting cop busting criminals on the streets type of movie or something like that. Man, those guys were fucking awesome. Um, and, but besides that, man, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a bananas movie. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely something that's just for like a certain level of shock and sleaze and over the top, not a family movie, not for family video night. Um, I, I gotta say, I did enjoy it. I laughed for different reasons than, than for Vermilion Eyes. Um, and, uh, Nick, I want to pass it off to you and get your reaction. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's like some dirt ass teenagers got together in a public park where they smoke weed and jerk off and eat dollar menu cheeseburgers so they can make a movie based on cannibal corpse lyrics yes none of that's an insult by the way just yeah and i i like the you know you could definitely tell this is such it's such a fucking like 1997 from like the fashions like the there's the, the one girl in the, in the, the one girl in the fucking uh in the tent who kind of looks like it looks like she should be in cold chamber or something with those those the, that hair and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah it's just yeah it's it's like the i like that i like that adam picked this one because it feels like we're looking at both ends of the spectrum of low budget horror you got like vermilion eyes which is this attempt at like a more dour mean sad and and then you get this which is just like a bunch of like you know a bunch of like chuckle fucks you know throwing blood around and, oh rape rape demon baby flying around it's you know it's fun it's yeah you called you said vermilion eyes had a charm i thought this had a charm but, yeah man yeah the, but, yeah just they're just going for it i love movies like where they i love that's what i love about a lot of the shot on video stuff it's like they just go for it the the scene where the one cop meets the drug dealer outside I don't I don't want to I don't want to spoil it but there's a scene where they're like in a city environment and he meets a drug dealer outside he like takes a lick of the the stuff out of the envelope or whatever he's like yeah I'll do a favor for you Just that that scene alone it was like their attempt at some sort of like Serpico 
you know, uh, like old school gangster movie type of thing. I I, yeah, I, I appreciated it though. I really did appreciate that part of the movie because those it's co- the kitchen sink, man. It's just oh, yeah. just, oh, it's cop stuff, and oh, we got some kinky <laughs> like you know proto suicide girls in there, and yeah, yeah. One of the guys had a Smashing Pumpkins shirt on. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, 90s, 97, 96, whenever they, if they, if it came out in 97, they probably shot it in like 96 or 95. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so, um, unfortunately, not, I don't know, Adam, maybe you could give us a little background on the director and the background of the film. Not, not any thick Long Island accents that I noticed, <laughs> not even in the cops. Um, but, no. but, but yes, yeah, so I, I, Adam, give us a little behind the scenes uh, uh, lore on this, if you know anything. Um, yeah, the director and pretty much that whole movie was shot in around the Detroit area. Mm, okay. And uh, director Matt Jason, he actually, he actually, I think he directed three movies before that. They were way more professional. I mean, they, they were <laughs> schlocky too, but like they had like like Ron Ashton was in one of them. I haven't really seen. Well, I've seen back from I, I saw back from hell, which is a great movie. It's it's definitely a great movie. It's it's way different than Necrophiles. For Necrophiles, he just I guess he was tired of uh spending all this money on uh you know, sixteen millimeters, so he just said, you know what, I'm gonna shoot this on video and just not give a fuck. And he, he based it on this because the comic book that this supposedly it's based off a comic book. And the comic book that it was based off of was like even more insane than the movie that came out. They just didn't have the budget. Like he said, the flying demon yeah. baby was actually supposed to be like, like hundreds of feet tall and a, like <laughs> a full-on demon. But I mean, you they can see the imagination in there, even though they're restricted yeah. by budget. But it's definitely like it comes through. I think their imagination comes through. And I got a piece of trivia that Will is gonna like. I think because you know I've seen a lot of behind the scenes and interviews and stuff like that. He he confirmed that uh, not too long before Chris Farley died, he actually showed up at the bar where they were having the premiere for for the movie. And, you know, he was you know, he had just fallen off the wagon. He was like super drunk and high, but he 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 sat and saw the movie and told everybody it was the most fucked up movie he ever saw in his <laughs> life. Wow. I I'm glad to know Chris Farley was at the premiere of this movie. That's amazing. <laughs> Rest in peace yeah. to Chris. Oh my Farley. god, was that like the last there. was that the last movie yeah. he saw? <laughs> yeah. Put that on the fucking poster, man. <laughs> Yeah! Wow, the movie that killed Chris. Holy Schneikies! This killed. They, <laughs> this movie they killed Farley. Him, they, on the V, on the original VHS release, they quoted him on. They quoted Chris Farley the same. <laughs> that's awesome! Wow, that's all. That is awesome, man. I, yeah, I love Chris Farley, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, not much. Not much to say about this one, man. Other than that, um, the cop. The I, I'm gonna say this again one more time. The cops really kept me invested. Um. So yeah, some really bizarre sleazy killings. It was really fucked up. Oh man. yeah, geez. Um. Uh. A, a unbelievable movie, man. And if you could, if you could make it through an hour and forty five minutes of Vermilion Eyes, then you might as well throw this one on too, man. Um. Uh. Nick and Adam, uh, final thoughts, guys, on uh, Necrophiles. Nope. No final thoughts. It... Sorry. Don't over- <laughs> don't overthink it. Right. You can't overthink no. this one, yeah. And and Adam, I'll let you. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, yeah uh, Adam, I'll let you close out if there's anything else you want to talk about with this director or this movie. Well, all I could say is that little 
that little rambling synopsis of the plot that I gave, like if that doesn't make you want to watch it, then don't bother. Because, uh, you know, if, if somebody said something like that about a movie, I'd be like, where is the thing? And I need to watch it now. Hmm. I mean, I saw the trailer. I was like, okay, this, I got to see this shit. Like, this. Yeah, it definitely merits a watch. Whether it merits rewatching is up to your personal <laughs> taste. Um, is up to your, your your own your own opinion. There's no accounting for taste, but yeah. Um, uh, Necrophiles from 1997. Uh, and now that I see the new metal look coming back with some of the younger kids, maybe they'll get into this man. I don't know, fashion tips. Oh yeah. Um, moving I got on. The Harm's Way album. Yes, uh, <laughs> it, dude, it is new metal is totally coming back in this like beat. I like down. a lot of the newer new metal bands. Yeah. Don't tell the. Tell the grinder, my grinder mutuals on Facebook, they're all going to come at me now. But <laughs> I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, I got a shout to shout to Nerve Nerve Alter, man. I got to get them uh, get Aaron on the show, man. Um, I want to I, re- I want to ask I want to ask him his opinions on the new metal resurgence and the caveman death metal uh, trends, <laughs> respectively. I know I know he's probably got um strong opinions, man. I want to put words in his mouth. Oh man. yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, all right. So moving on, though, my choice. Um, not low budget, high 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 value production. I believe I read it was like two of the biggest screenwriters, uh, you know, in in Hollywood at the time. Definitely some big actors. Um, uh, uh, but definitely equally disturbing subtext, in my opinion, to your to both of your guys' movies. Um, just not mm-hmm. as explicitly visual and spelled out little monsters uh starring <laughs> howie mandel and fred savage yeah dude from um 1989 oh boy this is a movie that i watched as a kid and always remembered as like this amazing underrated obscure classic that enchanted my imagination and uh, <laughs> upon rewatching as an adult is a really dark weird two-faced movie it's a Jekyll and Hyde of a movie because it lulls you in with Fred Savage and the kids and the school and there's the little pranks and Howie Mandel's like the little, he, he kind of has that, you know, mischievous imaginary friend thing going on story-wise, you know, towards the beginning. But it gets weird and dark and suggestive and they kind of just, they put things in that movie that are undeniably suggestive of child abuse if i'm gonna be real with you man um i you know and not only that what's um the, can one of you guys help me the actor from home alone who plays the dad in little monster daniel stern daniel stern also on the wonder years <laughs> creepy in this movie uh not believe creepy in almost every movie but yeah <laughs> yeah well not believable definitely believable as like a homeless uh, house burglar not as believable as like <laughs> this loving father and dude okay don't get me started all right the the first of all the weird tickling scene with fred savage totally weird and uncomfortable <laughs> then there's a, a random scene towards the end they haven't really established this you know cutesy father son relationship through the movie except for like a couple of weird forced scenes and randomly towards the end there's the like he he he's like piggyback ride and and fred savage yeah. like says daddy it's like yeah. so weird and That's forced weird. and and inserted. There's a lot of weird <laughs> shit. And, oh god. Okay. 
All right, I'm going on and on and on. One would remember, now, first of all, none of this means you sh- you might not want to watch this creepy fucking flick because it, <laughs> there, it is creepy because it has like a lot of those 80s suburban elementary school kids mm-hmm. um, cliches, you know, but then at the same time, it goes some like it goes some places that you that kids might miss, you know, the reference. But you're like, whoa, what the fuck is going on here with this underworld and these weird monsters and shit like that? Um, I, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> outstanding score. The score of the movie arguably even makes it darker, but enchances like the artistic experience of it. Um, not a generic, you know, stupid movie score. The scoring of every scene is pretty thought out and and, and amazing. Uh, some cool '80s rock songs sprinkled here and there. But then they also do like, dude, when when like there's a scene where Fred Savage goes on a little like escapade with the monsters and they're trying to scare kids, and they play like the generic like '50s rock song while they're. But it just kind of doesn't work because right. then they're gonna because right. then they're then they're all alone in a big room with a baby and it's just creepy again. I oh love... God, yeah, I got a lot to say about that part. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm I'm ranting right now because of how fucked up this movie was on my rewatch. <laughs> Um, and how much I learned on Reddit about this, if you guys want to delve deeper. But Nick, I want to pass this <laughs> pass this off to you, and Adam obviously will give you a turn oh too. Okay, me first. Go yeah, go for it, man. Uh, yeah, I mean it's based. It's funny because when I saw this movie, like yeah, I saw it as a kid, and uh, I loved it as a kid. And but then a few years later, when I saw Clyde Barker's Nightbreed, I was like, holy shit, this is Little Monsters. It's the same like underworld. It's the you know the underworld of Little Monsters. I always felt like. That was like middle school, and then when the little monsters graduate, they go to they go to Midian. Midian's like college, where they you know they fuck and they just do drugs and they read weird shit or whatever. Okay, I don't want to get too lost in the weeds here, but yeah, I definitely see like that predatory groomer subtext to it. I mean, it's that it's a little bit of a Peter Pan thing. It's this they they say that Maurice says he's like eleven, so I guess he's supposed to be a kid, but it's clearly not a child. So. He's not child looking. He's very, he's, but whatever. And, you know, he sneaks into the bedroom and he, he's, it's that predatory, that groomer stuff where it's like he's treating the kid like he's a peer and not an inferior. You know, he's enticing him with this no rules atmosphere. You come down with us, you'll get to play all the games and eat all the junk food. We'll let you watch whatever. You... There's one part where he says, there's a line from Maurice, that's Howie Mandel's character. He says to Brian, Fred Savage's character, we can, we'll let you watch the Playboy channel. Now, that's child molesters will play sexually explicit material for their prey to mm-hmm. get them excited. So That's what I mean. They, yeah. th- this movie just pushes, it's usually in a line of dialogue somewhere that's inserted <laughs> very subtly. But then, there, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll let you go because I know you have notes. I don't want to interrupt <laughs> And yeah, it's like you say, like it starts off with just these kind of goofy pranks. So we'll put peanut butter on the phone. Uh, we're going to swap his juice with pee-pee, you know, ha fun. But then it gets to be like, you know, Maurice destroying uh, Kirsten's homework. So that's like sabotage kind of. And then eventually, you know, it goes to the part where they, you know, the mo- he brings him to the, the baby's bedroom. And there's a bunch of these motherfuckers standing over the baby. And they're scaring it, making it cry. And even, and Brian's even like, yo, dude, this is fucked up. This is cruel. What are you doing? How is this fun? So it's, again, it goes back to that kind of loose back to familiarize with the whole like theory of escalation where it goes, you know, and, and yeah. And this, uh, I, I really want to talk about boy 
I want to talk about this guy. Creep. Can this I fucking guy? Can I say one thing and I'll, and I'll let you go because you meant <laughs> you mentioned before about Maurice saying he was eleven, and there was just something I read while reading about this movie online about boy obviously he has that uh, what is it Angus Young from ACDC like schoolboy right. outfit I was going to mention Angus <laughs> yeah so so I'm sorry I don't want to tread on you too much but I just want to say like okay. like Maurice being 11 the the idea being these people are were all these monsters in the underworld were once kids that got stuck down there so that's may, how so, I read it yeah yeah okay I'm sorry so go on go on go on yeah that's exactly how I read it that these were all like and then let's talk about and at first boy just seems like okay they tacked on a villain the filmmakers like we don't have a villain because he kind of boy shows up like there's no mention of this guy but anyway spoiler he's the main i guess he runs the place but and at first i was like and the character's played by frank whaley who uh just side note he was in pulp fiction he also plays he's in the movie vacancy where he plays a motel clerk and at this motel they make snuff movies so that's that adds a layer of creepiness to this guy and uh anyway so at first I was like, oh boy, he's like a cult leader. But then the more I think about it, I don't think he's even that charismatic. I think he's that rich asshole kid we all grew up with, whose parents had the biggest house, bought him all the stuff, all the toys. And he would invite people over and be like, yeah, come over, play with my stuff. And then he thinks that makes them his, they makes them his friends, yeah. but they don't really like him. They like the stuff. They think he's fucking weird and creepy, dresses funny, talks funny. He And then he pouts, he goes up to his bedroom, like, I'm gonna lock, you're not allowed in here. I have all the best stuff in here and you're not allowed. And so, yeah, just a like malignant narcissist, I guess. And, you know, I was talking about rejection sensitive dysphoria. And I think this guy suffers from that because it's like, oh, he wants Brian to be his friend. Brian says no. So he's like, okay, well, then I'm gonna throw darts at your little brother until you be my friend, until you be my friend. And it's like, how's that gonna make him your friend, bro? Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 a lot of weird shit. Okay. It's a, it is, it's a, I mean, I think that I think they were try, the producers were trying to go for like, there's definitely like a Beetlejuice quality, yeah, to Maurice. I think they were trying to go for that, for that Gremlins, Beetlejuice, Ghostbusters, all those gateway movies, but. It didn't really cross. It didn't really cross over like that. But it was on a lot when I was a kid. I remember it was on TV a lot, and they really milked the whole Fred Savage thing. And then when Boy Meets World came out with Ben Savage, they kept going like, "Oh, Ben Savage from Boy Meets World. See him in Little Monsters." They really milked the fuck out of this thing. It was on a lot, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. But yeah, I think it was put out. It was supposed to be put out by Vestron Video, and they're like a well-known. They're a pretty well-known cult cinema label or cult company but they were basically like gonna go bankrupt so they sold it to somebody else it went right to video but it, it found life i guess and uh yeah i'm babbling no but, no i yeah, like he's like yeah i that was always are these were these old children were they abducted did boy give them the same offer that he's giving brian and they said yeah at first maybe they were like yeah cool but then they're like oh we don't want to hang out with you but they're stuck down there and because nobody, it's it, he's kind of it's kind of an undeveloped idea, but I was always kind of fascinated by this character. And I I would have appreciated more world building about this 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 underground area and whatever and the history. Yeah, at the end of the day, though, it is a kids' movie, and I guess as a kid, it was enough for me. Like, okay, that's the bad guy. But as an adult, you're like, okay, but why? Where did he come from? You know, his only and I guess. I do have to point out the character of, uh, I guess, what is his name? Snickers or Snicks or whatever. The big, the guy with the hump. 
I forgot that actor's name, but he was in like the Burbs. He's a really well-known Rick, character actor. Rick Dukerman. Rick Dukerman. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of playing against type here. He's playing like a hood, but it's I, f- I I kind of wish that character was just the villain, just this like mean asshole. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. It, it you didn't yeah, towards the end especially it seemed a little bit uh you didn't need the the two villains there cuz they didn't they didn't really do much uh in the in the in the climax. And what's their why why what's their really I get what's their relationship? Why why does he give a shit about boy? I guess he's like a is he like a bouncer, a bodyguard. He's not much of a bodyguard. He sucks at his job if he's a bodyguard. Well, may, or, no, he, he. I think he strikes me maybe more as like the. I mean, if we're going with this whole child abuse subtext, he's like the the um, you know, the the go between. He finds the kids for this weird rich idiot. You know, I don't know, man. Um, but <laughs> uh, Adam, let's let's shift to you a little bit. What's what's your history with this movie? And uh, agree or disagree? Do you read this same kind of like like uh, uh, theory into this movie that we do? Well, like Nick said, he said it was on all the time on TV when he was a kid. So that makes me know that we're the same age because mm-hmm. that's how it was with me too. Yeah, and all that stuff he said about you know with with the Wonder Years coming out and Milk and Fred Savage, but. You know, when I, yeah, when it was on, like, it was definitely a staple of my childhood. Uh, it, I, I, I really did enjoy the movie. I was a lot younger, so I, like, everything you guys were talking about, like, when I think about it, I'm like, yeah. But yeah, I do, I do, I haven't seen, I haven't seen it in a while. So I, I wish I had, but I, re- I remember when, uh, when I found out Howie Mandel was it, I, that's how long ago I saw it. I was like, the guy from the guy from St. Elsewhere, <laughs> from Bobby's World. If anybody remembers, yeah, nobody under thirty-five is going to know what the fuck I'm talking about. But yeah, yeah, no, I think yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I've seen that. I know I remembered him from. It was a cartoon. Think... It was like supposed to be based on his childhood. I think it's not a very good cartoon. But... I enjoyed little, I, I enjoyed it as a kid. I remember watching yeah, it as a kid. It was yeah. on. So it's yeah. like, you know, back oh, then we didn't have as many options. I remember now. I remember now. Yeah. I did see that. Yeah, he used I, th- I remember I used the Gizmo voice for Bobby. Because yeah. I think he I think he might have been Harry Mandel might have been the voice for Gizmo in the second Gremlins. Could have been. Oh, not the first. I thought he was in the not, first too. He might have been the first one too, but you know, he might have been the first one too, but I think he was in the second one. I think he's the voice of Gizmo. I'm not sure. I'm not hundred percent on that. Uh, I I would believe it, man. Yeah, it's just this is such a weirdo film with these big Hollywood actors that defined a lot of people's childhoods um, and adolescence with with the you know like you said, Boy Meets World and the Wonder Years and Bobby's World and everything else Howie Mandel is known for and um yeah some real creepy stuff. There's all right. There's one scene and I'm not gonna beat around the bush, man. We gotta address this. If we're talking about the child abuse subtext, you already know where I'm going. It's the scene with the with the kid who's apparently been turned into a monster because he has an extra set of hands doubling as like a like they they just invent like his hands look like he's holding his face, but then he's got right. like another set of arms and hands. And oh, I forgot about this part. Yeah, dude, there's there's no accounting for this part. And then he, he the, the 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 hunchback like bodyguard guy goes up to the kid and says, "You should be honored that boy asked you for a favor or whatever." And the kid goes, "It hurts my knees. I'm sorry." 
and then he he grips the guy's head. He like they thumbs the little kid's nose and rips his head off and replaces it with a doll's head, and the kid runs away. And there's no explanation before or after that scene what that's supposed to mean. I it's funny because I think that scene would have been what they probably they played it when it was on cable, but whenever they played it on regular television, I think they cut that part out. Uh, they, That's probably why. That would but now exp- I'm just remembering it. Yeah, that I would got ex- memory hold. That would explain why 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 it, it hit so different for me when I watched it recently. Because I was like, wait a minute. He and doesn't. Like, look that, yeah, that kid just looks like a kid. It doesn't look like a monster. So it's like, oh my god, he's just like ripped a kid's head off. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a straight. Uh, I don't know, man. There's there's. I feel like. Um, I think this happened a lot. It probably still does happen. Where people in the production somewhere of the movie slip things into the movie that maybe are a little adult. You know what I mean? Like, like people in the writing the script or screenwriters, they like as a kind of a joke or something like that. Um, uh, I don't know, man. I'm actually to be, I'm, I'm perfectly honest with you guys. I'm Googling if Harvey Weinstein had anything to do with this, but it doesn't look like he did. <laughs> but I also, I don't I, think, nah. I also, my theory is that Harvey Weinstein is probably not the only guy. I, I, I doubt it's just a solo thing that happened. It's probably more of a culture uh, that that goes on out there allegedly in Hollywood, man. So I, I all I'm saying is that if you want, if you're conspiratorial, hit up, hit up Victor Salva about that, and we'll see. Look up Victor Salva. <laughs> okay, there you go, man. I'm I'm just saying there's there's a lot to read into in this movie if you're suspicious of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, I mentioned uh, Nightbreed as like the more grown up little monsters. There was another movie that came out it was less than a Brain Scan with Edward Furlong. This was like yes. 1993. Yes, I was. And go ahead. That yeah, I feel like and that movie like I like the kind of. It's kind of like the teen angst 1990s video drome thing with but instead of it's with the 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 virtual reality stuff. I like that component. But then they throw in this fucking guy, Trickster, I think his name is, and he's like they were so desperate to make this guy like a Freddy Krueger. They were so hard up to create the next horror icon. But I remember watching I'm like this is fucking Maurice from Little Monsters. Fuck this guy! Like, <laughs> didn't it look like a like a cyberpunk version of the Leprechaun from the Leprechaun movies? Kind of. Yeah. Well, he also looked like if you ever watched the Ghostbusters cartoon, the design was totally ripped off from the Boogeyman from the Ghostbusters cartoon. Ooh, I remember. I I vaguely remember the Boogeyman episode being being kind of scary, and the, which they kind of swiped from like Adam from Adamant. Okay. He was kind of a swipe of Adamant, and that they totally stole it. But I had to mention because that brain scan felt like another like more gr- slightly more grown up little monsters i gotta look because i remember when that came out and i remember being probably a little bit too young to to be able to go see it and i and it always like and i thought of it when i was watching this man nightbreed and brain scan i do have to watch and i wrote down vacancy just because you mentioned that 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 sounds like interesting vacancy is actually like really good i like vacancy a lot yeah um adam familiar with vacancy no i've heard it but i don't think i've seen that one yet Okay. Yeah, it was one of those movies that got kind of buried in like when it was all the 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 torture movies were coming out, and it got kind of dismissed. Wolf Creek had the same problem, I think, where people just dismissed it as oh, it's like Saw or Hostel, but it's a little more. Vacancy is a little more closer to like a Brian De Palma. It reminds me more of it's like a Brian De Palma. It's more like a thriller. It's, it's I like it a lot. It's just it's I guess it's it's the subject matter of oh they're making snuff films, so that is enough to just set off alarm bells but it's not that hardcore 
of a movie. It's just good. Just a good thriller. And he, it's, see, Boy from Little Monsters as this, like, creepy hotel clerk. And, yeah. Fair enough. Maybe, maybe, no, maybe that's where Boy came from. I'm sorry, Adam. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, I'm definitely going to check that out. <laughs> me, me too, man. I got to look that up. Um, all right, guys. So I, I feel like we can close out on Little Monsters here. I, there's not much left to say. For people who are um, maybe of a different generation that weren't inundated with this movie and Fred Savage and Howie Mandel during their childhoods, um, if it's an interesting like mix, like blend of 80s suburban kids, uh, mischief kind of, you know, Hollywood. Yeah, like Amblin Entertainment shit, yeah. Yeah, but like then with like a really weird, dark... Uh, uh, freaky kind of sub subtext, weird world with a lot of um, I, I don't want to say it was like the best special effects and, and and makeup in the world, but a wide array of different monsters and creeps and kind of like yeah. eye eye candy for for things. You know, I actually it's like that transition from you know Spielberg to Tim Burton. Mm. It's sort of like a mm. meeting point because it's got the the Spielberg kind of flourishes the yes. wannabe Spielberg stuff. But then it's the quirky Tim Burton, you know, because Tim Burton was kind of starting to, because he had just done Beetlejuice, and then I think he did Batman that year. But that was like a there was there was a lot of movies coming out that were like they're that are kind of not as well known now, but they were going for that same kind of vibe, that like Church of the Subgenius kind of ironic, kind of some semi subversive thing. And I think Little Monsters kind of maybe is it, maybe that's a gateway to that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I I would just say with Little Mon, my closing thought would be great soundtrack, um, and it seems like a lot of different, a lot of different chefs in the kitchen maybe on on the on the on the screenplay and the writing and the dialogue. Yeah, it definitely feels like a pr- like a producer made this, not like re- a real like visionary. Yes, it's not like a single yes. vision. Exactly. Just, oh, this is a bunch of stuff that's popular now. There's even like shit like mad balls or garbage pail kids like feel there's a little bit of that in there i will say this is a better garbage pail kids movie than the actual garbage pail kids movie (laughs) okay adam garbage pail kids movie Uh, i was obsessed with the cards at the time i actually i only seen it once and i honestly don't remember it that well Mm, okay i want to watch it again though because i've been seeing reviews of how much it sucks and how it's horrible so i'm like that usually ropes me right in i'm like i gotta give this another (laughs) chance don't but go for it <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be adam's next I'm a movie masochist sometimes sometimes when people tell me, tell me don't watch that piece of shit i'm like i gotta watch that piece of shit right now. <laughs> all right man well um we've finally made it to the garbage pale kids movie uh <laughs> so i think we've reached the bottom of the rock bottom segment of our movie recommendations guys i thank you very much all kidding aside for bringing in those movies and for watching my recommendation you got it man thanks uh and for talking about that but we got more to go because this is the heavy hole podcast and everyone uh, recommended some music <laughs> um so now adam uh just like you said man when someone calls a movie a total piece of shit you might love it so so your your judgment on movies is your own however <laughs> I can always trust you to recommend some sick death metal and gore grind. What is your music recommendation, sir? My recommendation is an EP by a band called Stenched from Mexico. Mm. The EP is called Gorging on Mephitic Rot. And man, was I blown away. Like, (laughs) there's a lot of, like, 
raw old school death metal stuff coming out now, but like just the the raw production, the down tuning, the drums, the the really insane vocals. And it, it's actually it's a one man project from Mexico, but it, it sounds like a full band. Mm. And you know, supposedly there's going to be a, a full band doing shows soon too. But yeah, it's when I, when I saw it online, it said for fans of Rotrevor, Pathologist, and like a couple other great bands, I was like, I'll check it out, and I definitely wasn't disappointed. Like it's just like really raw, disgusting death metal, just the way I like it. It it blurs the line between death metal and gore grind at some parts. I think, man, it's just so fucking brutal. Yeah. I, I've, I yeah, wish definitely. I I only brought this in a few uh, episodes ago. I wish I could remember which episode specifically, but I was aware of this. Um, and I'll just comment the vocals, man, the fucking vocals. And Adam, maybe you, <clears throat> I compared the vocals when I talked about this to an old old squash bowels. Adam, maybe you remember there was a squash bowels recording years ago that they put out as like a promo tape, but it also was on a seven inch, I think. Like they put out the same recording a few different times and there was like three vocals. There was like a, a, a grindcore vocal and a growl and then there was a pitch shifter voice and the pitch shifter voice was just so like milky and low. That's what these vocals remind me of. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, International Devastation, 1997. <laughs> of course. That's of actually course. my favorite recording of theirs still. Fair enough. Mine too, I would have to, I would have to say right now at this point, man. Um, as much as I like the full lengths and how there's like a, a diversity of style within some of the full lengths, but, um, that for nostalgic, I remember listening to that, to, to, to international devastation with you many, many years ago. Um, yeah, uh, that's, what's funny is, is I remember people like saying that they liked it, but like this and it because of how muddy and down tuned it was. I was like, what's your point? That's why I love it. Yeah. Well, again, like the movies, you either love it or it's polarizing. You love it or you hate it. Um, but yeah, this would have been, you know, stenched. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying, nobody has to have the same opinion as me, but like, you know, don't try to convert me. Be like, oh, well, you gotta listen to all that mud, like, because that's that's what I want. Yeah, Yeah, I thought the production on this was really, really good. I like the way this, I like the sound, I like the way this sounded a lot. I feel like that it it definitely has good production. Oh, yeah, it's it's not, it's not like, uh, you know, super overproduced like a lot of stuff is now. It's just yeah, like- I know. That's why I like it. Yeah. I feel like this like old school death metal stuff is like turning a corner because I wasn't really that fond of it. But now I feel like there's, in the last couple of years, there's like a lot of bands coming out that are really like just they feels it doesn't feel like they're just referencing this stuff. You can like place it alongside that classic stuff. Yeah, there seems to be a passion going on all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. Passion, yeah. like intensity. Like I hear bands like Obscene and like vomit forth and everything and they're like they just fucking yeah they're great they just kick ass it takes me back to like when i first heard this kind of music but it's not like wretched but like that style it feels like it doesn't feel dated i mean even albums that came out like 30 years ago don't feel dated to me you know no yeah it's it's held up well man yeah yeah and there's 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 newer bands that sound dated on purpose but i know what you mean man there are still bands that are doing something fresh but with a nod kind of to the to the classics in a way man this is i'd look forward to seeing more from this band especially uh if they if they maintain the vocal style i love these fucking vocals yeah, the vocals kicked ass yeah um some cool grooves in there too man um so i'm gonna as we do with the recommendations i'm gonna ask tom to throw on a little bit of stenched from uh mexico and what was the name of the ep adam gorging on mephitic rot 
There you go. Behind the behind the scenes audio, we clap the hands. That way, when Tom sees it on the on the screen, he knows to edit in the band. Thank you, Tom. Um, so, uh, moving right along, um, Nick, uh, could you tell us uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your recommendation? Sure, I've got this band right here called Flurm hmm. from uh, I think from Indiana. The name of the album is Botch Sacrifice. It uh, just came out on uh, Oris Apothecary about probably a little under a month ago and uh this is their first full length they've had two demos before this and uh i just love this shit man it plays like it's kind of like if they sound to me like every time i listen to it i hear something different but it sounds almost like a splicing of bands like it's like gas chamber devil master and total abuse and then there's like heavy knots to like really berserk japanese hardcore and gunky garage punk and the more kind of spastic strains of power violence and grind, you know, shit like gasp and combat wounded veteran. And it's wrapped up in this kind of like underground horror outlaw comic book aesthetic that you see in like bands like nuclear death and maybe like early necrophagia, maybe like necrophagia a little bit, that kind of like, like when you glance at their artwork, it just looks, it's like, Oh cool. You think it's like, Oh, it's an underground death metal band. And if you're into that sort of thing, it works on that level. But there's more going on to it than that, you know, and they, they don't shy away from riffs or groove, which is great. You know, that's going to get me labeled new metal again by noise core teenagers who live on the Internet. But whatever. And uh, they're one of those bands. If you form, I feel like they can fit on like any kind of bill. It would make sense. Like they're very malleable. I can see them on death metal bills. I can see them on grindcore shows or noise. And I'm always I've you know, I know me. I'm drawn. I'm I've always been drawn to bands like that that are very, that. So, yeah. Flurm, box sacrifice. That's my pick. Could you spell the band name just for me and the listeners? Sure. Yeah. So T H L U R M. Okay, man. And uh, Adam, did you get a chance to check this out? I did, and I really like it. And I, I know what he's saying about they could be on on a bill with death metal bands, uh, noise bands, grindcore bands, because this it this seems to be like a little bit of each of that going on, and it's a really frantic like never weak it's i was really impressed i definitely liked it mm-hmm. yeah um cool shit man i um to 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 be to rat to, to be short with to be to the point with uh what i thought about this band i listened to it and i did enjoy it i like how they do a lot of they draw from a lot of different influences within grindcore and black metal and metal but it's all kind of wrapped up in this punk rock um, mm-hmm. yeah. vibe and way of way of performing and the performance and the production is very punk. I gotta say, when I was trying to think of like what it reminded me of, not necessarily that it sounds exactly like these bands, but I feel like there's something in the intent and the spirit. It reminded me of Venom and of uh, Psycho from Massachusetts, classic punk. Psycho, kinda, yeah, I yeah. definitely see Psycho, yeah. Because there's this thing where they're not 
they're, they they don't care what people think. They're going to be a little metal. They're going to be a little punk. They don't care. You know, it, it is what it is, man. Like whatever. Yeah, we're I mean, I've seen the, I've yeah. seen Psycho play like once. I played one time. I saw them play. They just did like a full on like anal cunt noise core set. Then the next time they were just like kind of doing almost Ramones punk rock kind yeah. of shit. So. Yeah, I like the, that. I like that unpredictability, you know. That's that's what I mean. I'm not saying that that listeners are going to hear the same band if they put on a record, but there's something in that spirit of like it's punk rock, but it's also like they're not afraid to get a little metal with it or inject whatever into the song. They don't give a fuck. They're 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 punk rock, but they're not necessarily even trying to please the punk rock crowd or aesthetic. Exactly, yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's which is even more punk in <laughs> in spirit, man. Really cool shit, man. Um, cool band, uh, Indiana. Um, I've talked a lot about death metal from Indiana, but I'm glad we got something a little different on man. So shout out to these guys. Uh, and that it was Flurm. Flurm. Uh, so I'm sorry, spell it one more time for Tom so he could cut it in. T-H-L-U-R-M. T- Botch Sacrifice is the name of the record. Yeah, and I was able to find it on Bandcamp, man. Any idea what the band name means, Nick? Uh, No. It's, I thought it, isn't that what, isn't that from Futurama or something or is that Slurm? Slurm. Uh, Slurm. <laughs> okay. No, I don't know what the name means. I don't know if it's an abbreviation. But yeah, I have no idea. I, I, I haven't found any information on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just asking, man. We'll ask the band themselves maybe one day, man. Um, yeah, Slurm okay. with uh, box sacrifice, please, Tom. I know it looks funny when I do it, right, man? I because I'm used to doing that with um with just the co-host. You know what it is? You know what it is when you see for the listeners too. When when you're looking at the sound waves on Pro Tools or whatever Tom uses, you see that big jump with the, when I clap and he knows to drop <laughs> right. the music in right there. Just so you guys know, I'm not over here like I got bugs in my in my office or something. Um, my uh, but my my recommendation is bugging, man. I went a little because it's Halloween. Uh, I got a little funky. It's not metal. I recommended you guys a record that I thought you might appreciate because even though it's not metal, it's hip hop. I felt that this was a particularly dark album, very cynical. Um, he, he, as he as the rapper states on the album in one line, his wife says it sounds like he holds grudges, and it sure does <laughs> on this album. Uh, Royce the Five Nine. Detroit rapper going back to the 90s with a big body of work has done a lot of work with D12 and Eminem and at one point in the early 2000s uh you know I I'm not an expert on hip hop history especially Detroit uh but um I do know that at one point in in the early 2000s Royce to 59 had his own differences with Eminem and and D12 uh, and considered a deal he had with Columbia Records unfavorable or his treatment from the record label unfavorable. Whatever was going on in this guy's life when he made this album, and I'm talking about Death is Certain by Royce to 5'9", um, he had a lot on his mind, and he wasn't holding back. Uh, most of the songs are him fantasizing or threatening to kill people who have wronged him, 
um, talking bluntly about death and in this kind of cynical fashion about how everyone dies, so nothing matters. It's like a nihilistic album in some ways. It's also got an Alchemist-produced hit called Hip Hop. Uh, which did have a lot of radio play and was big at the time, but also has some, like, if you know the whole album, there's some really dark lines in it, man. I just, I love this album because, uh, as I shared with you guys, sometimes I, um, I try not to get too negative on the podcast. I try not to just get on the podcast and air all my differences and vent all my problems with people. But there are, there have been issues I've had in the scene. Old, you know, old bandmates, old bands I've been in, people I've done business with at shows, promoters, whoever. They, you know, everyone has baggage in the scene if you've been there long enough. And this album definitely is something I listen to when I want to vent a little bit of that baggage. So I'll just leave it there. Um, Nick, I, I want to get your opinion on this. And then Adam will talk because Adam, your younger brother, Aaron, actually introduced me to this rapper many years ago. And we'll talk about those days, too. But, Nick, uh, I just want to get your input on this. Nick, I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, are you a big hip hop listener uh, in general? Uh, I like I like a lot of hip hop. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I, I feel like I, I feel bad that I don't keep up with enough of it. But like you know, in all the bands that I've been in, like that's what we always would put on to cool down, like after a show or after practice, we would listen to hip hop. Yeah. Know? So I wasn't that familiar with this guy, but I really like this record a lot. I like the production. Uh, that one song, "Something's Wrong with Them" or "Something yeah. Wrong with Them," that's gonna be in my head forever. <laughs> and I, I'm, I definitely, I put it on the playlist for the new book I'm working on now because it kind of, it ended up kind of fitting in with the character that I'm working on. But yeah, like I mentioned to you, uh, the Coalesce album, uh revolution and just listening yeah and how that was like that's what it reminded me of this like this super bitter just like coming at your own band that whole record i love that record so much and when when communion fell apart that was like the first album i went to because it was just this just it's it's him like attacking his own bandmates (laughs) on the the record the lyrics (laughs) are him going after his own bandmates yeah recording with and yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff too. It's like I've always kind of try. I, I would I would try to write stuff like that, but then it would eventually get so coded because I'm I'm like kind of skidded. I don't want to like I don't want to set the apple cart too much or. But yeah, I I well, wish I could go there sometimes. I really really fucking do, but. Trust me, I I wish I could go there on the podcast, not even in music form, and just <laughs> just say what's on my mind sometimes. But I don't. Um. Uh, it's for the it's for the best, but uh, like I'll I'll say that just on what you said, kind of I listen to this the same way I listen to Neglect, the classic Long Island hardcore band, because oh, yeah, the same way I might not uh, blow my brains out with a shotgun or slit my wrists or go kill everybody. I might be able to blow off some steam by listening to Neglect and listening to the lyrics and listening exactly. to him him you vent all those emotions. Man. And the same way is what I really enjoy about this Royce the Five Nine album. Um, he blows off a lot of steam, and he's very real. If you're somebody who does hold grudges and does uh, ha- and has developed a cynical worldview, I think you yeah. could relate a lot to a lot of the things he says on this album. Um, so that's I just want to get your guys input. I think it fits in very well with like the the rest of this episode in a lot of ways even though it's a hip hop album. It's, you know, um but what yeah. I what I said before, uh, Adam, I've talked in the podcast on several episodes uh lately too cuz like people people will talk about how they got into this type of music, how they got into underground music and some, you know, when I reflect that always obviously goes back to Tuthill 
to your the house you grew up in and your brothers grew up in on Tuthill Street that we used to hang out in. And I always tell people that Adam, you you were you were knee deep in the gore grind and noise core and death metal at the time. But Aaron introduced me to a lot of hip hop uh, and hardcore and stuff like that too. And Royce the Five Nine was one of the rappers um he introduced me to and it was around this time when all this was going on so i kind of remember this eminem royce the five nine beef which for people who are fans of hip-hop and rappers making diss tracks against one another and sparring lyrically royce the five nine and eminem have done songs against one another or kind of dissing and exposing one another and have done lots of songs together and they're the the you're not even though I'm not the biggest Eminem fan in the world, it's undeniably some of the best like wordplay and lyricism that you're gonna mm-hmm. find like like two two like MCs really pushing themselves. But Adam, do you um do you remember back in the day uh, uh, Aaron playing any any of this guy and and being exposed to this before I sent you this album? Oh yeah, I do. And he did. You know, I'm his older brother, so I was listening to rap way before him, but he. He got so much more involved with it because, like you said, I was more listening to like gore grind, death metal, hardcore, and stuff like that. But yeah, he would. That's someone he definitely played for me, and I was definitely impressed by. Like along with people like Necro and all that, he introduced me to Necro, who was, was one of my favorite rappers. Now. Yeah. Yeah, we. But yeah, but you know, of course, you know, I, I drank a lot back then. But you know, from the hazy recollections, I do, I do remember this stuff. Yeah, we we just talked about Necro a few episodes ago when I had Nick Didkovsky on um, a while back, and I re-listened to uh, some of the old Necro and, and Ill Bill tracks and all that stuff, man. Re- I mean, really ama- an amazing movement in hip-hop, man, from like independent, an independent uh, artist and, and label. Um, was, uh, was it Ill Bill that had that song, uh, Ricky Queso? Is that Ill Bill's track, or is it... I- there's a song, a, a rap, a, a Ricky Kazo, it's called. It's a fucking sick track. Adam, do you remember that? It might be a more recent song. Let me. No, but I should. I, it, I mean, I'm gonna definitely. I'm gonna definitely check that out. Whoever did it. Yeah, let me see which one. I got that listed. Well, because I remember um, Aesop Rock, who's also who's from Huntington, uh, who's from Northport, which is part of the town of Huntington, I should say. Uh, he did a song called Catacomb Kids. That is kind of loosely based on, I think, and references that um, that 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 Ricky Casso case. Uh, I'm looking this up right now, though. Ill Bill, Ricky Casso. Yeah, you're right. Ill Bill did a song. Uh, yeah, all right. 2013. How he made me do it. Three. Uncle Howie. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Uncle Maurice made me do it. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, Necro and Ill Bill. Though. I mean, Ill like I, I we we had this discussion a few weeks ago. But yeah, I always really respected those guys as MCs and as uh, um, independent artists and, and all that sort of thing. Um, so I I mean I take it, Nick, you're obviously very familiar with Necro and Ill Bill. While we're on the conversation, yeah, yeah I'm familiar with those guys. And like I said, that that song Ricky Hayes, I was that song Ricky Hayes, I really like a lot. It's just a good beat. And... I got. I gotta look. Look into. See, lately I've been on a lot more. Like you know, I, I, I. It comes and goes in phases, man. But I've been really deep into hip hop a lot lately, and exploring a lot of my old favorite albums and stuff that I have. So I, I, I gotta get get into some of that stuff and uh, re-explore that the catalogs now. Um, uh, but Adam, did, um, uh, did did you were you able to to listen to this this album, the Death Is Certain album by Royce the Five Nine? I did listen to a couple of tracks to refresh my memory definitely he was def- definitely a great rapper for sure 
Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, something else if people are, people might be interested. There's, I'm just going to say maybe speculation. It's been said by people in some circles that Eminem took a lot of his style and his way of wordplay and his, 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 his vocal cadence from Royce the Five Nine. That's the, for the listener to determine, I, I think, though. Um, uh, but I think that, also, uh, Esham, wasn't there like, I think he borrowed a lot from Esham. I know ICP like owes yes. a lot to Esham. I think they even like ended up giving him a, they even, I think, ended up signing him to their record label just as a like, hey, sorry about that. Here. <laughs> I I kind of only know that on like a Wikipedia level, so I'm not as I'm yeah. not yeah I'm not that deep in the lore, man. But I I was very fascinated with Juggalo culture a few years ago. Um, still might reach out to yeah. some acts. Uh, I've done a fa- I've done kind of a face turn on Juggalos. I th- I still think their music is like objectively terrible, but like I think they're harmless. <laughs> well, with so much of our culture being like normalized, like death metal in general right. and gore and, and now gore grind, it's almost like there's part of me that stubbornly wants to be a, like a, in that juggalo culture. But <laughs> like, I kind of feel like like there's like nowadays where they're like admitting there's UFOs and, and like they're putting that out there. I kind of stubbornly want to just be like, like not I like I don't believe in aliens or UFOs because all my life <laughs> I have and people thought it was a weirdo thing. Um, so I always just want to be contrarian, but, but, but moving on, um, yeah, I'll just say like, like we were saying before, uh, uh, this is definitely a bitter cynical rap album. Um, but not, not in the sense that, that, that it has sloppy, uh, lyrics or beats, you know, people cared about the artistry of this work still, but the, the mindset of the artist, man, it's just, if you're having a bad day, throw this one on, man. If you're angry at some, somebody or something, throw this one on, man. It's a real album. Um, guys, any final thoughts before I ask Tom to bring it in? Uh, no. Adam. Uh, let me see. Uh, no, all I can say is I definitely agree. Like it's definitely an aggressive album lyric wise. It's uh it's not sloppy, like you said. Uh I'm definitely gonna check out more of his stuff because I did hear him back in the day, but you know, I need to refresh my memory some more. But what I did hear, I'm I'm definitely impressed by. So Yeah. I'll definitely be checking more of it out. Yeah, yeah. And that um yeah, I gotta go back and check out some E Sham myself, man, and familiarize myself. Do yes, my do, do. Do my home, do my homework, man. But uh, for now, uh, I'm gonna let Tom bring in a little bit of that Royce the Five Nine with. I'm back to cardiac advantage. Have you an arm? Bananas enhanced rep. Rap grand theft auto mechanic. About to tighten my plugs. About to be fighting in clubs. Your blood might give me love and likely heighten my buzz. Your type is simply a bitch. And fighting with me's a risk. I might empty my clip if the hyper get me my niche. I'm out in front of ya. Guns out. About to knock your fronts out. Boxing about to drop without Columbia. I spit this venom myself. My independence is felt. Finished with slim in his health. Long as he winning, I'm good. Long as I'm known as one of the most Vicious MCs spitting from the deed, lo and behold, the mitten. This right, is- man. And Adam, you you know, you did mention, you did flex a little bit and mention that um you were listening, you're older than Aaron, you were listening to rap before him. I don't know if we've talked so I remember you relating a story about taping run DMC off the radio or off the TV one Christmas. I think the first time you were on the podcast, right? 
Yeah, that was the the first ever tape recorder I ever got for <laughs> for Christmas. Because that's how you know this this was the eighties. That's that's before I you know I could afford tapes and stuff like that. So the only way I could listen to tapes is if whatever I taped off the TV or radio. And I mean, sticking my tape recorder either up to the TV or the radio. And uh, my first recording I ever made, I wish I still had it, but you know this was when I was like maybe nine, ten years old. So yeah. I, I remember just walking around the living room at Christmas with my new tape recorder, happy as hell, just like acting like I was a radio DJ or something like that. I was like, and coming up, here's Christmas, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC and stuck, stuck it up to the TV. That was, I think it was the first recording I ever made, but yeah. Yeah, that was, my, my first rap group was Run DMC. That's awesome. Rest in peace to Jam Master Jay. Um and uh, what are what are um what's like what's like one or two other golden era classic hip hop artists for you, Adam? Oh, definitely. Where it really took off for me is uh, when my uncle played me N.W.A. and Too Short. Wow! I remember <laughs> we were up all night listening to it. Like he played me, he played me uh, all of N.W.A.'s album, all of Eazy-E's album, all of uh two shorts album over and over again i must have got i must have got like two hours of sleep before school but it was worth it holy shit was that is that stevie your uncle stevie no it was actually my uncle donald uncle donald your uncle donald was the was the one that was yeah. really into a lot of music right yeah i mean he listened to a lot of classic rock when my other uncles were around but as soon as they were gone he was like okay they're they're gone put on nwa <laughs> well, yeah, because I'm just this is like a middle aged white guy in the '90s, and he had he had the NWA, and he's and he's on the East Coast. He's not even on the West Coast, but he's got the NWA album and the Too Short album. That like that's a pretty diverse taste of music, man. You know, th th it was it was a little different back in the day, man. You know, it, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, man. No, he would go he would go from he would go from classic rock right into NWA Too Short. <laughs> I mean, look, NWA is one thing, Too Short. Is another dimension to be playing for your for the kids, man. I'm glad he did because maybe that's where we get yeah, anal. That yeah, was thirteen. That was thirteen when I heard that for the first time. <laughs> Damn, bro. I I never was a huge West Coast rap guy, except for a lot of the bigger artists, you know, like the the guys that you hear on the radio. But lately, I've been going back, um, and and listen to listen to some some cool old West Coast stuff. We'll we'll get into that another time, man. Um, I just got lost in the hip hop conversation for a minute, but but guys, right, I, I've had your um, uh, I've I've had your time for a while now. I really appreciate you guys joining me for this bonus episode and giving your recommendations. Um, it was it was fun watching these movies and listening to these albums and uh, giving you guys uh, uh, mine and getting your spin on them. Uh, quickly, be, like like we said in the beginning, Nick, um, uh, uh, you 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 write uh you write books under the name uh, N. Cassio Poe, uh, phonetic, yeah, right. phonetic, yeah. phonetic take on your name. Um, <laughs> quickly again, if you just want to plug where people can find that and find more information about that, and your your new book coming out was it Magenta Shadows? That's right, Magenta Shadows just came out uh, this past week. It should be so it'll be available by the time this episode airs. Uh, all of my books are available through Sweat Drench Press. Again, shout out to Zach and Laura for for taking for taking a shot at it. And uh, yeah, there's a uh, nine books altogether because I got nothing else going on, and the, all that bad karma has got to go somewhere. So 
there you know a lot of the stuff we talked about in this episode it's kind of it's kind of mentioned in there a lot of pop culture stuff and a little very kitchen sink kind of shit a little bit of everything so i try it's not just you know oh here's you know 400 pages of uh snuff porn there is some of that in there but there's also there's other shit too there's shit about wrestling and it's a little bit of everything i don't want to get too lost in the weeds here but yeah check them out please that's all i got right now no music going on at that at the moment i'd like to yeah I, I still get the itch but i don't meet anybody so i don't know where to go if the bad idea collective seems promising but you know yeah i'm like old now so i'm fucking old now those are probably like old young guys and shit so that that well that's the trick is just sticking around for a long time and being the old guy at the show that you get a little bit of scene cred from that man as long, yeah you know, as long as you're not like su- yeah. if you're not if you're successful at a day job and have like a healthy family then you're not really credible but you know guys like us are cool yeah <laughs> i'm just kidding man um yeah. uh lifers so to speak <laughs> but um uh, uh, I, I encourage people to check uh, uh, your books out, check your writing out. And Adam, like I said, um, Klisma Records, that's from, uh, I'm sorry, what country again? Holland. Klisma, I that tip my tongue. Klisma Records from Holland, a label run by Mark of Last Days of Humanity, just released the latest Anal Birth album. 20, what was it? Was it Top 28 Chapters of Infinite Atrocities? Yeah. I I know I was. I, I, I'm sure you know that. I'm sure you know that name came from. Well, break break it down. Do you want to break it down for the listeners? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, it's it's a combination of uh, Eelbert's three original influences: top forty hits by AC, <laughs> nice, uh, chapter of accidents by Dead Infection, and Human Atrocity by Last Days of Humanity. There you go. Top Classic. twenty-eight chapters. Of infinite atrocities, you know, I, I, we always got to put the infinite in there, of course, because that's just what I've been doing since '96. <laughs> the, the, uh, well, the, the, I gotta say, man, with the, the flying demon infant from Necrophiles, kind of, I said this, this is Adam's movie. Um, but I thought that I was, I was, he's coming after you, man. Yeah, all those... <laughs> he's coming yeah, back. Yeah, so I saw a review of that movie one time. It said like, oh, this is a Cannibal Corpse album put to put to a movie. I was like, yeah, kind of. Not a far, that's why I love not it. a far cry. Not and also, about, cry. yeah, the the uh, Barry J. Gillis, his movie Wicked World. They said the same thing about Wicked World was that it was like Cannibal Corpse art as a movie, like the Cannibal Corpse yeah, artwork yeah. as a movie. I mean, you say that to me, that sets a high bar for the movie I'm about to watch. It better be <laughs> as it better be as good as that classic art on the on that album cover. Oh uh, well, it's probably not, but you know, yeah, yeah no, I know, I know. It's not as good as the artwork. Fuck no. But yeah, Vince Locke, man, Vince Locke rules. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I, I what you were saying, Adam, about AC. I always do when I describe anal birth to people, I say it's like anal cunt, but with no jokes, it's <laughs> no, no funny parts. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not against them. I just, yeah, I just wanted to combine them both and like just take the humor out, just be one big noise blast all the time and that's where it's been ever since. Yep, uh, one beautiful noise blast, but that's not the only place you blast noise. Uh, you're also in a in a project, Liquefied Insides, um, Amityville Music Hall here on Long Island, November the fourth Saturday. Liquefied Insides, you're going to be performing alongside 
uh, along with uh, Riparian from Pittsburgh, Animals Killing People from Brooklyn. Uh, my own band, Reeking Aura, is going to be there, and one more band yet to be announced. Uh, we're, we're pre-recording this episode a little bit prior to Halloween, so check social media for that show. It's going to be starting at 6 p.m. early. Um, uh, the Halloween Hangover Show, I'm calling it. Uh, so, um, and Adam, anything else you want to plug or promote uh, before we sign off here, bud? No, I think that's good for now. Fair enough. Guys, I thank you so much for your time. I know the listeners appreciate you guys both coming back and sharing all this stuff with us for the Halloween bonus episode. We always traditionally try to do, if there's one holiday we got to celebrate with a bonus on this uh, podcast, it's Halloween. And you guys definitely came through for the listeners this time, man. Thank you very much, guys. Oh, and uh, hopefully, Thank you. Thank you. Of course, man. And, and hopefully we'll see you before next year. All right, Thanks man. Thanks a lot, Will. Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. Of course, man. Cheers, guys. And we'll uh, and we'll wrap it there, man. We'll I'll, I'll stop there, man. Guys, like I said, uh, I know I've had you on a long time, man. But thank you so much, man. I'm gonna try to put this out, um, like the Friday or the Saturday before Halloween, because Halloween's on a Tuesday. So you know, right. if you if you don't see it on Instagram, I'll send you guys a link and, and all that. Well, of course, yeah. I'll yeah, I'll, I'll throw it around. Uh, absolutely zero followers but whatever (laughs) (laughs) it's all good man i i I appreciate it man um yeah i'll be in touch with you guys man you know and you know obviously like adam i'll be talking to you soon for the show but nick if you got something else to promote uh you want i'll definitely go i'll probably definitely be at that show you know yeah dude i'm right i'm right by amityville musical so i'm not that far away so yeah i'll definitely check that out sounds like a good lineup all right sweet man so i'll be seeing you guys soon man oh fuck yeah all right, have a good night, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. you too, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Later, dude. I said it before. I rep and wreck this beast at the headquarters. Rest in peace. Nigga, I'm a holy shoddy and knock you out. And I ain't got to no karate like I for rock. It's hip hop. Stronger not. This is rap basketball. Stats all you got. Long as you hot in your flow.